Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Our show topic today, office tenant strategies. We're going to talk with top office tenant reps in Chicago, New York, and Atlanta. We're going to share the top strategies and best practices for business leaders related to your real estate requirements. Please welcome my first guest, Bob Chodas. Bob is principal with Colliers International. He works out of their Chicago office. He's one of the premier tenant reps in Chicago. He's also chairman of Occupier Advisors Practice Group within Colliers. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. Nice to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And and Bob, it seems like uh, tenants, office tenants, uh, sometimes will get caught up in some of the minute details uh, in an office lease, a rate and terms and things. But what should be one of the main considerations for a company related to their office space requirements? Well, it's a it's a great question. Uh, you know, the economics of how uh, tenants uh, might proceed with a lease for office space. Uh, are obviously very important, but one of the things we see today that's really driving uh, decision-making is around workplace strategy and how companies are putting together plans that actually really focus on improving the performance of the people that sit within the office space as opposed to just focusing on the economics of a transaction. Okay, so how they work together and, uh, and how that impacts their business? It's, it's, you know, the, the companies are ex- expending a lot of capital to build and design new uh, space in addition to the rent that they have to pay, obviously. So those are very important elements of what they study today. But what's happening in the markets today with uh, technology and kind of the generational shift that's happening with people that work within these offices and the ways that, the ways that they work, it's really become a an art form as to how one configures their office facility to promote productivity of the people and the revenues that they generate. That's really become the major focus. So the kinds of designs people are utilizing, open planning and benching and, and uh, collaboration spaces and unassigned workspace, those are the buzzwords today that companies uh, are really focusing on because if they can move the needle in productivity, you know, the real estate really almost becomes secondary. It's that focus on people process and productivity that uh, most uh, sophisticated users of space today are really spending a lot of time and energy on. Right. That's what's most important, isn't it? Uh, the productivity of the office environment. And it also uh, is dependent on recruiting and retainment, right? And, and we know there's the push to, to cram more people into less square footage and the various great ways to do that. But uh, how are you seeing that change? Or are you at all? Are you still seeing uh, the trend to, to reduce the square footage per employee? Or is that changing in, for some companies? It, you know, they, there's always the downward pressure on square footage. Uh, people are trying to do more with less. That's a given. But um, the trade-off actually becomes that you, you may not actually be able to reduce footprint per se. You might reduce the actual seat space that somebody occupies. But in the trade-off for that is that you have to now build more support space, what we call, there's kind of this concept called the me, we, and free space. The me space is where a person sits and does their work. The we space is where they collaborate. And then the free space is where they, they meet to have, you know, conference facilities or cafeteria work, uh, food service, you know, spaces that they, they do further collaboration. And so the trade-off is some of those other support areas get bigger as the actual seated space becomes smaller. 
Um, so that's, that's one of the big trends today, and recruiting and retention is probably the number one driver of almost any business today uh, because the job market's gotten a lot hotter, as you know. Right, and I want to ask you about that. I mean, are, are there, is there more emphasis with the companies you guys are repping around the country uh, related to uh, recruiting? Uh, is that becoming more of a, a hotter topic with your tenants? It's, it's really the number one thing it, and, mm-hmm. in almost any sector, any industry at all, whether it's professional services to corporate to communications to technology, uh, you know, the, the, the finding and, and retaining the talent pool needed to do their business is the number one focus people have today. And workplace and the location of their office facilities actually plays a major role in the desirability of a company. So we're seeing uh, many of our clients spending a lot more time and effort on making sure they find the right location and the right quality asset and design a workplace within that, that piece of real estate that can enhance their ability to recruit and retain their key staff. You know, that, that's real interesting to see, you know, how the job market's improving and, and how it's impacting uh, companies and, and how they occupy space. So tell me about a, a build-out that you would see today with a company that's concerned about uh, recruiting uh, as compared to maybe three years ago or four years ago when the economy uh, was in, in a worse shape and, and office space uh, was cheaper. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really quite staggering. The cost to build uh, space today has gone up dramatically uh, because of the global demand on, on, uh, on materials, and among other things. But it's, uh, it's really around technology that, that we see the biggest expense because people are uh, going to these what we call um, uh, free addressing environments where people aren't necessarily assigned to a, a seat. And in order to do that, you've got to really deal with the uh, with the uh, technology that allows people to be able to be what's called untethered. They are not connected to their desktop by the telephone any longer. They're working in, in Wi-Fi, open Wi-Fi environments where you have uh, communications actually coming in through their laptops or uh, to their desktops as opposed to over traditional telephone lines. And so the, the technical infrastructure it takes in order to accomplish that is, 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 uh, has gone up dramatically. You know, 10 years ago, Electrical and what what we call line and low voltage uh, electrical costs could have been eight ten dollars a square foot to build in in our market, for example, in Chicago. We're seeing some of those numbers be in the twenty five to forty dollars wow. a square foot range today. That's interesting. Just for the technology overlay. Wow, that's expensive. So so more companies are, are using apps and and software. So when you come in the office, you figure out uh, where you can light that day. Exactly right. I mean, people are, uh, you know, it's not all companies, by the way, are doing this, but many companies are electing to really give free addressing. So people are, they come in in the morning and they go to the concierge desk and they they get an assignment for where they have to work that day. If they have heads down space that they need quiet time in, they'll be put in one section of the office or into a very small enclosed space. And if they're working as a team, they'll be assigned to a collaboration space. And so they have to be able to pick up and move from space to ba- space and be able to uh, you know, communicate both from a, uh, you know, a technology perspective with their laptop and to be able to communicate verbally. So it's, a, it's, it's the new way that we see a lot of work being done in, in some of the more progressive offices. Okay. We're talking with Bob Chodas. He's a principal with Colliers International about office space. And Bob, the, the office investment market has been red hot. How are tenants being impacted by an improving office market and higher rental rates. The global 
flood of capital to U.S. real estate has actually been a phenomenon that's been uh, gaining a ton of momentum over the last several years. And in the past year, uh, it's become even more accentuated. There's just a lot of offshore capital seeking safe harbor for you know, real estate investments. So we've been seeing a, a lot of upward movement in pricing on, uh, on office buildings, for example, in the core market here in Chicago. I think we had uh, one of the highest price sales that happened in the last year for uh, an, an, a high-rise building at 300 North LaSalle in Chicago, crested over $650 a square foot. Nice. And to give you some you know, frame of reference, the, the prior high-water mark was 130 bucks a square foot, I think, below that. What are, the, what are the rents in that building? It's so the rents in that building are in the high 30 net range, and now they're going to be you know, cresting into the 40s and potentially even the high 40s a square foot net. And, you know, historically, Chicago has not gone over $30 a square foot net until this last wave of new buildings coming online. So the new buildings are all in the mid to upper 30s net, and some are even going over 40. And this trophy sale is just an example of how upward pressure on rents is just going to continue to happen as these assets trade at these high values because offshore money really wants a safe harbor to invest in. Right. And that's, that's interesting. So I think it's going to be surprising to, to some of these tenants, you know, when they renew their leases because, you know, they may have uh, went into the space when the, the rates were much lower. Maybe we were in a, in a recession. And now they're coming out for renewal or needing uh, more space, and they're going to be higher rates. Well, we're going to take a short break. We're talking with Bob Chodas with Colliers International about office space and tenant strategies. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about office tenant strategies. My guest is Bob Chodas. He's principal with Colliers International in the Chicago office. And and Bob, most companies, you know, it makes sense to lease rather than purchase. Although there are some large companies out there and some small companies that do acquire their own properties. What are some of the dynamics you see in the lease versus purchase analysis process in our current environment? Well, that's a great question, and, and you know, most often we see that that centers around is the facility going to be mission critical to the company? In other words, uh, we don't see companies generally buying their office space. Some do, but most will lease because their their return characteristics that they expect for their capital when they invest in their business are going to be higher than the kinds of returns that real estate tends to deliver. So unless it's a mission-critical center like a data center or a production plant that they're going to you know, house you know, uh, specific functions in that have proprietary things going on around them, they tend to invest in their real estate uh, through leases as opposed to uh, buying properties. But again, that's a trend we're going to see continue, I think, as prices continue to escalate because, again, that's the, the return characteristic characteristics get narrower and narrower under those conditions. 
Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense that, uh, you know, if you're making a, a 40, 50% return investing in your company, you're not going to invest in uh, commercial real estate. Well, well, let's talk about some of the mistakes that a company leaders may want to avoid when it comes to their office space and, and the search for new space and renewals. What, uh, what should they watch out for? Well, that's a, that is a terrific question because the, you know, a lot of people think it's all about cost. And it really, while cost is a very important element, and we don't ever, you know, marginalize that as a, as a key aspect of any decision. It really is about location, and it's really about uh, the ability to attract the right employees to the right place and have the right support amenities around your facility. And it's, you know, if one focuses solely on cost, they may miss the bigger target, which is how do we make sure that this piece of real estate that we invest in is going to actually do what it needs to do for our business. People tend to forget that real estate leases are often anywhere from four to seven percent of their cost to do business. And if they make a you know a decision around a line item that's in that range that is really focused on cost, and they miss the bigger picture, they may end up uh, you know regretting that they have this facility that's not actually supporting what they need to do for their business. And it's only a seven percent line item of their cost to do business that they maybe saved ten percent of. That's 0.7% of their cost to do business. So that's one of the big, uh, big things we ask companies to be careful not to do. And the other one is that if the day you sign a lease, you've got to get rid of that space. Uh, you know, poorly located real estate or poorly conceived real estate is hard to get rid of in sublease markets or disposition strategies. And so uh, we always stress, make sure that the day you sign a lease, what happens if you don't need that space and what are you going to do in order to get out of it? Is a, is a very key thought process to make sure you don't uh, lose sight of. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't want it to be like a boat, right? The, uh, the day you buy, the day you get in, the day you get out being the right. best day. <laughs> right, now, because it does happen. I mean, yeah. companies, you know, strategies change or, you know, divisions are sold off and suddenly a lease they sign they don't even need. They got to get rid of it right after they commit to it. It's unfortunate. It does happen. And so making sure that it's well-located, well-conceived, good quality, uh, branding opportunities for the space, for example, they'll be attractive to somebody else as attractive as it was for them to make the decision on. So it's, uh, I think it's the strategy of not being penny wise and pound foolish. At the end of the day, real estate is very hard to get rid of, so you want to make sure it has a good residual value characteristic when you take it down. Right. If you just focus on a great deal, you may have gotten a great deal on on the rent and the incentive package, but uh, it's not right for your business. You shouldn't have done it. Um, that's a that's a good point. I and mean, let's talk about uh, the market a little bit. You know, it has become more of a, a landlord's market. Uh, some of these tenants uh, uh, may have been in a tenant's market when they did their last lease. How are you seeing that impact incentive packages and tenant strategies today? Well, it's, you know, the markets are, are very dynamic, and I guess this is also very specific to whether it's a downtown market or a suburban um, location. In our market, for example, in Chicago, the downtown market has, has had a lot of robust demand, and our vacancy rates are falling. Uh, you know, every quarter we've been seeing a compression in the marketplace, and when you couple that with some of these high-value sales that are happening with, uh, you know, uh, companies like Blackstone coming in and buying up large tracks of portfolios in our market, we have a lot of upward pressure on rents and a downward, you know, we have downward pressure on the uh, supply side. And so those characteristics make rents, you know, going up. At the same time, tenants are, you know, needing to expend a lot more capital to, to build space. So TI allowances 
have been going up. We are seeing still, you know, allowances in the $75 to $90 a square foot range in the downtown market. And, you know, in the suburban markets, this is, there's kind of an opposite trend happening in that, unfortunately, we're getting some negative absorption of space. And so you have downward pressure on rents and upward pressure on concession packages happening to keep tenants in the suburbs because a lot of, uh, of tenants are looking at getting into the central core where there's better you know, access to rapid transportation and, and to regional transportation vehicles. And they have uh, the labor pool that wants to live in the city today, the younger uh, generation, the millennials, if you will, are in the, in the downtown market and want to work down in the market. So we have a lot of different dynamics pushing rents around and concessions in general within our market, but it's very specific to whether it's suburban or downtown that can make a, a directional change in, in how those are being portrayed. Right. It comes down to, to a local business. But are you seeing any any rate shock, if, if you will, with these companies that, that maybe they upgraded from B to A and, and, and got into to a nicer building and now with the rents going up and, and it's renewal time, you're seeing any shock there? Well, it's, it's, I don't know if it's as uh, strong a, a situation as what we would call shock, but people clearly are seeing that when they uh, did leases in the last cycle when the when we were in the midst of really one of the worst financial crises we've had since the Great Depression, uh, the tenants got you know the very uh, frequent opportunity to be in a in an upgraded facility at uh, at rates that they were uh, typically paying for B class and A minus assets. They were getting into A plus and super A buildings. Uh, so today we're seeing rents in those buildings now circling back and they can be seven eight ten dollars a square foot higher than they were before, you know in the last cycle that's in chicago by the way mm-hmm. in on the west coast and the east coast in san francisco new york i mean we're seeing massive increases in in rents and as a result i think you're seeing a lot more rent shock in those markets than you see in the midwest the midwest has historically swung between a a narrow range of change than than you'd see in san francisco or new york for example so we haven't seen the rate shock experience like you're getting on the coast, mm-hmm. but I think it's coming. Okay. And what are some tips, uh, quick tips for tenants? Uh, should they get out earlier uh, if their uh, market uh, is a little tight? They should definitely be uh, benchmarking their, their positions earlier than they ever did before. Mm-hmm. We, we are representing a lot of tenants today that are looking three and four and five years in advance of their lease uh, expirations. And actually, lease expirations tend not to... Uh, to, to be the biggest driver in terms of why people start to look at their facilities. Again, it's the idea of workplace strategy and introducing some of these concepts we talked about earlier that tenants are starting to see, well, I've got to invest in my space, even if I have three, four, or five years left on the term. I don't want to be investing a lot of capital with such a short-term lease in place. Great advice. Bob Chodas, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Uh, We appreciate it. Stay tuned for more Office Tenant Strategies. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about office tenant strategies. Please welcome my next guest, Scott Panzer. He's vice chairman with Jones Lang LaSalle out of the New York office. Scott, thanks for joining us again this year. Yeah, happy to be here, Michael. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, we've talked to you for, I guess, a couple years in a row now about office tenant strategies. And it's a very interesting subject, right, with uh, everything that's going on in the job market and the kind of the changing office use strategies. And the first thing I'd like to get from you, Scott, is, is your opinion on kind of an overall view so of companies' missions when related to real estate. Because, you know, I think some companies occasionally will get caught up in and cost and, and, and location, but uh, there's really a, a, a bigger issue when it comes to relating real estate to their business practice, isn't it? Oh, without question. I mean, I think today what we're seeing is, you know, flexibility is, is tantamount to getting real good results. And then the other thing that, that a lot of companies are focusing on now with the millennials really pushing into the workforce in a big way is design for sustainability, suitability for the actual business unit themselves. So where customers went wrong in the past is, is they overshot their approach and, and, and took too much space and didn't design it properly. And now they're spending a significant amount of time well in advance of the design side. Okay. And where should they put more emphasis as you look at all the tenants you guys are, are helping? Where do you think they should put more emphasis that maybe some of the companies aren't? Well, I think, I think what you're seeing today is that many of the, the, the clients that we represent, you know, you can't get away from location, but location is changing. So we're, we're in the his, historical days, you know, there was a Madison Avenue, and that was all the advertising media firms, and there was a financial sector, and that was downtown. And then there was, there was the, you know, high-end uh, family office, and that was in the Plaza District. Well, the reality is today, any tenant can pretty much go anywhere in New York City. So what we're seeing is we're seeing Condé Nast, big publishers moving downtown. We're seeing all the financial services moving midtown. And we're still seeing the plaza sector guys, you know, the high-end private equity hedge funds still wanting those, those central park views. And then we have the whole tech sector that moved to midtown south. So I think location is still number one. Then you get into design for productivity and collaboration. Um, and employee retention and traction is probably the second thing that most companies need to focus on. Okay. And is some of this emphasis on location uh, have to do with recruiting? A lot of it has to do with recruiting. A lot of it has to do with quality of life and proximity to customer base and employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you see related to transit? I know in New York City you have, have great transit, but are some of these buildings also impacted in some of these locations um, that these tenants are picking uh, based on transit? And Well, interesting enough, transit um, hasn't been a big push for the tech sector. It was more about gentrification, old, you know, with new new infrastructure and older buildings, it being cool and hip. And now what we're seeing with with the advent of Hudson Yards and, and some companies looking to push, they just want new. Because the truth is, the commute over to Hudson Yards is a disaster. And so I don't think that when they wake up 10 years from now, they realize what a disaster is and what the bottleneck it's going to be. I think they'll realize they made a mistake by going there. But it's still because it's new, people want new. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the New York market. I think that's one of the most dynamic and, and powerful uh, business markets uh, in the U.S., and that's known all over all over the world. Tell us a little bit about the office market there in Manhattan. So the office market is, is fairly eclectic still, and it's a tale of three cities. You've got downtown, which which suffered for, for you know the better part of 30 or 40 years, and that's sort of 
moving up nicely with the the relocation of, as I said, of Condé Nast and some major media companies going downtown. You've got Midtown South, which is the tightest market in the entire country with less than 3% vacancy, and those rents keep pushing skyward, you know, closing closing in on on, uh, three-digit rents. And then you've got um, uh, Midtown, which is starting to flatten out, and there'll be a glut of space coming on the market in 2017 or 18. so that'll reverse its trend and maybe come off of the $75 average ask. And then you've got the high-end plaza district with park views, which will still commanding you know, north of $100 a foot on average. Right. That's an amazing rental rate. Tell us a little bit more about rental rates. I think most companies would like to have an office in New York if, if they don't. What are some of the costs for some of these areas? Well, you know, the funny thing is New York is now, you know, when you talk about New York, you're really talking about three primary boroughs. You're talking about the island of Manhattan, and you're talking about Queens and Brooklyn, or Long Island City, which is part of Queens and Brooklyn. And so what, what companies are doing now is they're, they're buying down their, their costs by going to Brooklyn and getting the REAP incentive, which can reduce the rent by as much as $15 a foot. So you take a $65 per square foot rent, you know, prime um, midtown, and you can make that into a a $50 a square foot rent by going to really cool hip place in Brooklyn right now. Yeah, that's amazing. So well, on the other side of the table, sorry to interrupt you, on the other side of the table, you've got the, the, the very, very high end park view space that, that we're renting for $225 a foot or better. <laughs> that's great. You know, we compare that to, to what we see in Atlanta, and, and it's, just, it's, it's hard to fathom. I mean, you know, we've got rates here probably averaging $22 a foot on, on the high end, uh, very high end, 40 So, well, we're going to take a sh- short break, and we're going to talk to more of a Scott Panzer with JLL about tenant strategies for your office environment. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Hey, be sure not to miss shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Today we're talking about office tenant strategies. My guest is Scott Panzer. He's vice chairman with Jones Lang LaSalle. And Scott, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is lease versus purchase. It seems like with low interest rates that uh, some companies are, are buying headquarters and, and some markets around the country. What do you see in Manhattan and, and what are some of the aspects of a lease versus purchase analysis that maybe are a little more u- unique in the current market? Well, it's interesting. Um, I represent a lot of major corporations globally, and we have, um, in the past three or four years, really gone on a buying spree on their behalf, especially for their mature um, headquarters facilities and where they have huge capital investment. But even you know, looking at in New York, most recently, um, a Comcast, NBC, Universal acquired the interest in Thirty Rock, where it had you know 1.3 million or has 1.3 million square feet of lease space there, um, and it was important because with a half a billion dollars of infrastructure for the network, um, it's very critical for them not to be a captive audience to their landlord in the future as they come up for renewals. So that's a really big thing when when clients are, and companies are looking at whether they should lease versus own is what's the capital investment that sits behind it. Um, 
although we don't see a lot of commercial condos in, throughout New York City, there are now, you know, through Hudson Yards and related is trying to sell off some of their, their properties that they really are having trouble leasing, that they're saying, hey, we'll give it away for cost um, because they want to make their money on the retail and the residential. So there's an opportunity for companies who are saying, hey, this could be our headquarters. Maybe we should own versus lease right now. I see. And what size space uh, do you see tenants typically considering that? Are those smaller tenants, midsize? No, I think we're seeing in the in the in the hundred thousand square foot plus size tenancies. We'll go through that for the corporate headquarters piece. Ten years ago, we saw a lot of government uh, agencies and and um, uh, they were they were buying in and around um, uh, the UN Plaza. So it was important for them to own because they got the benefit of the tax break. Whereas corporations here don't get the benefit of the tax break. And then we still have the the ongoing five hundred one c three not for profits. The larger ones that it can afford to own will go ahead and do so. Okay. We're talking with Scott Panzer with JLL about office tenant strategies. And, and, and um, Scott, I think one of the things that some tenants may not be aware is, is all the services that you might typically offer as a tenant rep. I mean, I think they think of, well, we, we tell them about rates and terms and, and what's available out there and give them advice. But uh, what are some of the other services that you provide as part of your normal tenant rep services that might surprise some tenants? Well, I think what, not surprised, but more importantly, appreciate um, from a tenant's perspective is the fact that we're able to do a full design build. So site selection, location, design, construction, fit out. Um, there's a whole procurement component that goes along with that. We manage globally um, several billion square feet of space on behalf of third-party tenant clients. Um, and then we have a huge procurement component that, that we allow our clients to piggyback on um, something closer to $15 billion worth of annual spend. And the final thing is for distribution facilities and manufacturing, we represent some of the largest manufacturing uh, automotive manufacturers in the country right now, or in the world, who have set up new operations throughout the U.S., and they've used our logistics group as well. Yeah, well, those are great services. And let's go back uh, for a minute, if we can, to the Manhattan market. So if I want to open an office in, uh, in Manhattan, where are some deals? Where, where are some options that I might well, want to Well, you see? can still, you know, if you're a bottom fisher, you can still find some good deals on mid-block between avenues on the west side. But, but you know, you really look, you're pushing closer to 8th, 9th, and 10th avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still find some good pockets of space in lower Manhattan. You know, old, Goldman Sachs' former headquarters, 85 Broad. Um, is a great opportunistic uh, lease rate, you know, with a $40 a square foot rental rate in front of it, which is about as low as you're going to get in the city. And then you can also, you know, hop across the Hudson River and go to Jersey City, and you can still find, you know, high $20 rents or find pockets of space in Brooklyn um, with a three in front of it. So there's some real good opportunities there. That's great. Well, let's talk about the economy and how that's impacted the office market. I think it's been a, a little bit more of an office landlord's market than a tenant market. Uh, maybe some of these tenants are surprised when they renew if they did their, their lease in, in a down market. What are you seeing there? Well, the interesting thing is, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of, of, of taste of euphoria um, mm-hmm. happening in, in Manhattan and, and in many CBDs around uh, the U.S., but I do believe that um, we're going to see a tech bubble coming through. We've already started seeing some of the tech tenants that took down big blocks of space two, three years ago already going out because the VC companies aren't backing them right now. So now we're seeing that space return to the market, and I think it's just a sign of what's about to come. You know, similar to what happened in 2000, I don't know if it's going to be as, as the, the same magnitude, but I do think we're going to see a huge correction in 2017 and 18 where rents in, in main sectors could pull back 15, 20%. 
Interesting. So the tech bubble. So tenants with uh, foosball tables, you're worried about, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think I think we are. I mean, we're looking when we look at them from a landlord perspective. A lot of it has to do with what's the credit like and what's backing that credit. Um, you know, I'm also you know you see companies like WeWork out there just expanding voraciously throughout New York and other markets, and I do think that can be sort of a fad like Regis was and or HQ was. 10, 15 years ago. So it'll cycle through. Um, so you just have to be cautious about it. Right. Well, Scott, our topic today is office tenant strategies. So what are some mistakes that office tenants should avoid? I think the, the biggest mistake today is, you know, taking too much space in advance of an expectation of hiring or growing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's been the same thing that we've seen um, in 2000, 2001 that we're starting to see happen again. Right. So they took too much space, maybe even when rates were a little cheaper, right? Oh, yeah. And they're waking up and saying, you know what, we don't have the capacity for that. We don't need to have all this space. So they return some of it back onto the market. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Scott, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. My pleasure. Good to see you. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll stay tuned. We're going to have more on office tenant strategies in just a moment. And we're going to talk about an Atlanta market in the southeast, which has been a very dynamic market. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Our topic today, office tenant strategies. Please welcome my next guest, Eric Harris. He's VP with Corporate Office Services with Bull Realty in Atlanta. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, I think it's interesting to look at uh, occupancy costs for office space around the country. We've talked a little bit about Chicago and New York. What do you see here in Atlanta for office occupancy costs and rental rate trends? Well, uh, what's great about Atlanta is we've got a, a wonderful range. Uh, I think uh, $40 gets you a very, very nice Class A space That's in Atlanta. Interesting. Yeah, 40 <laughs> is, is the cheapest in Manhattan. It's the most expensive in Atlanta, but it's really Class A nice space, yeah. right? So we've got a different end. The lower end uh, yeah. can come in at, at far, far under $20. So uh, a great range here in Atlanta, yeah. but nowhere near as high as, uh, as those other markets. And are you seeing uh, rates increase a little faster now in Atlanta than you've seen in the past? Uh, I am. Uh, over this time last year, we're at about a 5% uptick. Mm-hmm. Uh, rates were sub $20, and now they're above $20 for the most part in most areas. So uh, we've got an incremental increase. It looks like it's going to continue. Right. And if you just want some very low-end space, maybe for a call center or something, you can get it for 12 bucks a foot, right, in some spaces. 12 13 bucks a foot, you can get it in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It costs a, a living uh, difference in some of these uh, major markets. Well, our topic today is office tenant strategy. So what are a few tips that you could share with tenants uh, related to their office space needs? Uh, Well, one of the things you do when you start to uh, engage your tenant rep um, is to allow us to interview the entire staff. Um, We like to get a good understanding of the entire business Mm -hmm. and the way that you work so that we can find the best property and location um, and all the other uh, concessions and things that suit your business. Uh, You don't want us just to find a rate for you. Uh, What you'd like for us to do is understand, uh, let us meet with HR, 
uh, let us meet with your IT group and all the department heads so that we can get a full uh, full understanding of what you do and what it takes to make your business work successfully. Oh, that's fantastic and, and, and so important because, you know, you you can't advise your, ten, your tenant unless you know a lot about their business, right? And when you hear from those department heads, uh, you, you know how they function. And, you know, it's so important because you've got, what, lease terms, you've got some clauses in the lease, you have uh, location decisions. There's a lot to think about in a, a move relocation or a new office, right? Yeah, there's a construction component. There's tenant improvement dollars yeah. associated. Uh, a good tenant rep knows the concessions that are available. Uh, we track uh, recent transactions mm -hmm. so that we know that you're getting a good rate. Uh, and then uh, items like first right of refusal mm -hmm. for a space next to you. So there are a lot of clauses, multiple clauses that we might have to put into your uh, your uh, lease to help you as you move forward. Yeah, that's uh, well said. Uh, you know, I've seen situations where a, a tenant can come up with a need in three or four years that uh, maybe the tenant rep uh, realized and negotiated into that deal that the tenant didn't think about because you guys are doing it every minute of every day. It certainly adds a lot of value. Well, let's talk about mistakes to avoid. What are some of the top mistakes that some tenants might make in the process? Well, some tenants might not uh, enlist a professional and uh, take that time to try and find the space on their own. Mm -hmm. um, what we'd like to do is, is allow you to do what you do well, and that's mm -hmm. your business. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, if you don't take a look at the contracts with your broker, mm -hmm. uh, then sometimes you're setting yourself up to fail in the future. If you don't put in those clauses into your lease, uh, you want to make sure that you start on time. Yeah, uh, that's start, a big one, isn't start it? Start early, early, early. Totally. You know, we recommend 12 to 18 months in front of your notice period, uh, not just when you've got to move out or the uh, expiration of your lease, but in front of your notice period. Uh, there's a lot that goes into finding the space, to negotiating the construction, uh, to making sure you've got the right fit. You always want to make sure you've got the time to make the right decision. And uh, 12 to 18 months in advance gives you enough time. It's, it's always based on each transaction anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, and uh, it's nice because a tenant rep like you in the city that you're going to locate in can actually review all your leases and make sure you don't get behind timeline, right, because you certainly lose negotiation power and could have some uh, problems with your business if you run out of time. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, be sure and join us next week. We're going to have a show on Twitter for business. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.